Hi, this is Bill Smith, President and CEO at the Santa Fe Community Foundation and Director of the Envision Fund. I apologize, but the first bit of our candidate forum did not record, so I am re-recording just a little bit of an intro and a context before the video begins. So first, let me thank the Envision Fund Advisory Committee for organizing this important forum. I am very proud that the Santa Fe Community Foundation is the home of the Envision Fund, and I'm proud that we're a voice for social justice in our state. Of the five full-time presidents and CEOs that the Santa Fe Community Foundation has had over its last nearly 40 years, I am proud to say I am the third LGBTQ person to lead this foundation. To that end, advancing LGBTQ equality and equity for all New Mexicans is in our DNA here at the foundation. I'm pleased tonight to welcome seven candidates seeking to represent the people of, the New, Mex of New Mexico's third congressional district. All declared candidates, both Republicans and Democrats, appearing on the ballot in this race were invited to participate in tonight's forum. As you'll see in the video, accepting our invitation are John Blair, Teresa Ledger Fernandez, Laura Montoya, Valerie Plame, Joseph Sanchez, Marco Serna, and Kyle Tisdale, all of whom are running for the Democratic Party nomination for the District 3rd seat. The three Republicans running on the ballot were either unavailable to attend this evening or did not respond to the invitation. With that, thank you for uh, tuning in and uh, watching the candidate forum. Again, I apologize that the initial video did not pick up at the very beginning, uh, but when we start, you will see that uh, candidates are answering the first question. The first question was, let's start with an easy and general opening question. What will you do as a member of Congress representing the people of the third district to promote and model equity for all LGBTQ Americans? Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the video. Foremost, I, I, would, I would try to encourage bills that would ensure there are uh, organizations and, and, and opportunities within high schools and junior highs where individuals are starting to, to uh, uh, come into their own sexuality so that they have a place to go to so they're not trying to decide on their own and, and feel so excluded from, from everybody else because he told me how scary it was at times for him uh, and just thinking about coming out. So we need to provide those services in our schools and I think a bill to encourage that would, would definitely help. Second, bullying. Uh, as, a, as a prosecutor, I see bullying uh, on, a, on a weekly basis and so much of it ha happens to, to be with uh, individuals uh, who are identifying a certain way and the discrimination against that. And I think just in general, educating uh, students as well as providing facilities or excuse me, services and, and a place to go uh, for counseling uh, would be very helpful. Um, lastly, of course, we need to ensure that all individuals, uh, whether you are identifying any, any way, any color, any creed, uh, deserves all opportunities and uh, ensure that we increase uh, hate crime laws uh, so that individuals know you can't just discriminate based on, on anything for that matter. So I really want to encourage uh, uh, equality as well as the future congressman of, of the third congressional district. Marcos, thank you so much. You so Kyle. Much. 
Yeah, thank you, Bill. And let me just start um, by thanking as well the Envision Fund for putting this forum together. Um, you know, I think we're all struggling at home uh, and trying to run campaigns uh, from our family room. So I very much appreciate um, you helping us to reach voters and, and provide real choice in this election. Um, you know, I think that this fundamentally comes down to sort of two different elements. Uh, one is the sort of structural elements in our society uh, that allows discrimination uh, to exist in the first place. And so part of dealing with those structural elements to bigotry um, are by laws like the Equality Act, which would uh, amend civil rights laws that are in place right now and expand protections to LGBTQ uh, plus communities um, and would create uh, an equal playing field in, in areas like employment and healthcare and housing and education um, where, um, you know, there are these, uh, without those protections, those same protections currently in place, uh, those are the areas where we see uh, discrimination really taking root um, in our societies and in our communities. Um, the second part of this um, is our sort of social relationship uh, to this. And I think that has to start with education um, and uh, creating a safe place in our schools for LGBTQ plus students, um, making sure that we are addressing things like bullying and taking those things extraordinarily seriously and not allowing um, you know, subversive comments that are coming out of the side of, of kids' mouths uh, to have a place of refuge within our schools um, and to create an environment that is inclusive of everyone and making sure that, um, you know, our young people are actually modeling the type of behavior that we want to see in the rest of society. Wonderful, Kyle. Thank you. Um, John Blair. Uh, thank you, Bill, and thank you to the Envision Fund for hosting this tonight. Uh, my name is John Blair. I use he, him, his pronouns. Um, and for me, being the first openly LGBTQ member of Congress from New Mexico, uh, that prospect is not lost on me and the significance of what it means, clearly to me and my family, but to LGBTQ people all across this district and this state. Um, clearly, there's a, a, absolutely a role in terms of leadership in passing legislation. Um, as mentioned, the Equality Act would codify uh, a number of rights for LGBTQ Americans into the Civil Rights Act. You know, I could still get married in most states on a Saturday and be fired at my office on Monday for being gay. And that is something that we have to overcome. And so clearly the legislative aspect of this is significant. For me as well, though, there's a larger component of symbolism of being out and being open. Um, you know, I didn't come out of the closet until my early 30s. And one of the ways that I have sort of tried to make amends for sort of the loss I feel around that is really about being as open and out as I can be. And what I have found in my life is that the more out and the more open I am about the fact that I'm gay makes it easier for other gay people across uh, any community that I'm in, easier for them to be out. One of the things I'm most proud about in this campaign for Congress has been traveling around to this, this district and really getting to meet LGBTQ people all across this district. You know, when I first started running, you know, some people would say, well, do you think you could really get elected in this district? Absolutely. We have proud LGBTQ leaders at every level of government running for office right now, serving in public office. 
one of the things that I'm really committed to doing is expanding that bench of LGBTQ people in office. Uh, when I worked on Capitol Hill, I was president of the LGBTQ Congressional Staff Association. It was an association dedicated to really helping other LGBTQ people network, uh, develop leadership skills, develop professional skills to be able to advance their career. And so there's such an opportunity now in New Mexico to help young people at all levels uh, develop these skills, get into government, get into public service. You know, we know that when there's an LGBTQ person in a legislative body, that body is significantly less likely to pass hateful legislation against those communities. And so we need to encourage that bench. For me, that's an exciting prospect. But as right. well, you know, I... Right. Uh, right. Am I done? Yes. Yes. Too much stuff to talk about. Teresa. Thank you, Bill. Thank you to the Envision Fund. I need to tell you that one of my favorite events every year is the AIDS and Comfort Gala. Uh, and so thank you for doing that. You know, we have a moral obligation to stand up to bigotry and injustice and hate wherever it is found and against whomever it is directed. I've dedicated my life to standing up to injustice and creating opportunity and equality equity for marginalized communities all over this state and all over the United States. In my speeches, and not just here in response to this question, but I talk about the need to defeat those that would demonize the other to gain political power. We must de defeat those like Trump, and not just Trump, who would demonize the Mexican, the gay, the transgender, the migrant, because in New Mexico, we know that there is no other, right? There's only in us. Uh, I would also pursue very specific legislation like the Equality Act, which would add sexual orientation and sexual identification to the 1964 Civil Rights Act. But what that is doing is championing in Congress what we have modeled in New Mexico. We passed the Human Rights Act in 2003, which protects sexual orientation and identification. Here you can change your birth certificate to reflect your gender choice. So with constant pressure, we also change attitudes. In 2003, that act barely passed. But in 2019, it was unanimous when we needed amendments. So my work in building um, change and community has always been also about building coalitions. And those coalitions, like we had for the ranked choice voting work, included democracy warriors, lesbians, Latinos, gay Latinos, Anglos, environmentalists, and immigrant rights. Those of us in the struggle know that it is our coalitions, our dedication to equity and justice and working together, which makes us stronger and a force to be reckoned with. Thank you, Teresa. Laura. Well, hi everyone. I'm so happy to be here on time. Uh, so thank you for being so kind to let me come a little late after my Board of Finance meeting. So I'm Laura Montoya. Um, there's two big things I've been saying throughout this entire campaign that I live by. One is that I promote policies that are about fairness and equitability. And that to me is really important, no matter whether it's because you're being discriminated against because of age, sex, gender, whatever the case may be, people should look at the quality of the person, the skill set that they bring to the table and leave all of the rest of it behind. The second thing that I, I like to mention to people is that representation should reflect who we are, what we value and what we're about. And a lot of times when you've gone through certain struggles in your life or your life experiences, it helps you gain perspective of the inequities that exist. 
um, whether it is LGBTQ plus, or whether it's because you're the young Latina woman that's managing billions of dollars, or whether it's the person that doesn't have the equal right or access to uh, certain things like water, for example. So I think we all, especially in New Mexico, have people here that have been forward thinking in the idea of legislation to promote those civil rights, like Senator Dennis Chavez. And I wanna be one of those people to help to make sure and level the playing field so that there is that fairness and equitability. Laura, thank you very much. Last but not least, Valerie. Thank you, Bill, and thank you, Rose, and to the Santa Fe Community Foundation and Vision Fund for all you do in our community. Please indulge me just a few moments to say a few words before pivoting to answering your questions. And which is this, to my dismay, there's been huge sums of dark money with its unknown donors. It poured into this campaign with really vile and disgusting ads attacking and smearing me. I just hope my children don't see them. Dark money has a deeply corrupting influence on our elections, and that's why people sometimes hate politics. It's why also we can't pass critical legislation that we as Democrats want to see on things like gun violence, healthcare, climate change. So I expect that these sort of attacks from the right, not from allegedly fellow Democrats who claim they hold the same values as I do, they are exactly the same sort of outright lies my husband and I endured for years from the Bush-Cheney White House and their allies. I believe deeply that New Mexicans care most about the issues of restoring the economy, health care, education, and in this election, that's where my focus is going to remain. When I get to Congress, you can be sure I'm going to fight like hell to pass genuine campaign finance reform so elections are fair, transparent, and democratic. Many in this audience watching this evening, the LGBTQ plus community, that you face hate every single day, and they know hate speech when they see it, and the attack ads are just that. I served my country for years with honor, loyalty, and grit, and I intend to do so to represent and fight for New Mexicans in Congress. And with that said, I want to say I stand completely with the presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden in his call to pass the Equality Act, which to my mind is the best vehicle for ensuring equal rights under the law for LGBTQ Americans and guarantee that they are protected under existing civil rights laws and expanding that. And I will finally just add that I want to live up to our founding father's promise of equal rights and justice for all and that is what I would work toward and fight for every single day on behalf of all New Mexicans. Thank you, Valerie. Um, I have a feeling that this issue uh, that Valerie touched on initially is gonna come up several times this evening. So she didn't mention you, Teresa, but our rules allow, um, allow 30 seconds for a rebuttal um, and you can take it now or when someone actually uses your name uh, in regard to this, you can take it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna leave the choice to you. Go ahead and take it now. Okay. So my campaign has always been focused on the issues that matter to New Mexico's. I'm a positive, progressive vision for our district. Dark money has no place in our politics. I've been working throughout my career to reform our democracy. That's why End Citizens United, Let American Vote, the groups leading the charge to get money out of politics have endorsed me. They recognize I'm the champion on campaign finance reform. I do. I have nothing to do with any of these ads and the idea that these other Democrats uh, candidates are attacking me for it is baseless. 
And I want to go back to talking about the issues, which is what I've been doing the entire campaign. The thing is, the other candidates know I have no relationship to any third party. I cannot tell them what to do. Time. Thank you. Uh, we're going to turn to another question, and this one focuses on youth. So I know a couple of you already touched on this. Marco, you spoke so eloquently about it. Um, but in 2017, Governor Martinez, a Republican, signed into law legislation outlawing the practice of so-called conversion therapy, where LGBTQ youth, um, young people, sorry, are subjected to a host of practices to make them straight. And last year, Governor Lujan Grisham signed into law the Safe Schools for All Students Act, a comprehensive anti-bullying law inclusive of sexual orientation and gender identity. These are just two examples of how New Mexico can lead in creating a safe environment for LGBTQ youth to thrive in our state. Still, we know there's a lot of work to do and work to be done. What would you do as a member of Congress to create further protections for LGBTQ young people? And again, I know some of you already spoke to this and you can expand upon it a little bit. Um, why don't we go ahead and start with um, Marco. Why don't we start with you? And, and just to follow up on, on what I spoke about, uh, as I've traveled the district, when I was in Farmington, um, and this was more addressing the lack of economic growth in rural, rural communities, but one of the storefronts on their main street is uh, Identity Inc. And it's the only one of its kind in the state, which is a, a, a safe haven, if you will, for anybody who wants to, to go, uh, but, but primarily focusing on LGBTQ plus teens uh, and, and adults who in that area specifically are, are targeted, unfortunately. Uh, so that would, that would move forward to what I was saying with uh, ensuring that schools uh, all have proper counselors uh, and programs uh, to address LGBTQ plus uh, issues, uh, not only for the students who are identifying, but also for those students who are, are t we're, we're seeing that are starting to bully because what we see with, with discrimination and hate is it's people who are scared and educating people. And, and, and I mean, how great would it be if, you know, my brother and John and so many others listening, that they don't have to say they came out of the closet, that they just are. You know, that's, that's the vision and focus that I, that I see in our future. And New Mexico can be the first to ensure that we have those types of centers across the state, not only within our schools, because unfortunately we have a huge uh, homeless population. So these types of centers also provide protection for those individuals, not only with education, contraceptives, but keeping them out of prostitution, which we, these are some of the stories that I heard of individuals in that center. Uh, who, are, who are going to that center. So these are focuses that we can really address, uh, not only here in New Mexico, but in Washington to, ex to expand uh, the services, but to change the culture. Let's change the culture together so that we aren't hating individuals based on identity. We aren't hating them based on, on their, their religion or their race, uh, because we are a melting pot here and it's, it's a beautiful country we live in, but New Mexico is so diverse and has been, we're already ahead of the curve because we set up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say we love Identity Inc. at the Envision Fund. They um, are one of our favorite grantees. <laughs> um, and I too have visited that center. And uh, it's, it's great. Quite an inspiring place. Yeah. Kyle. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I touched on schools a little bit earlier and the, the fundamental need that our schools need to be safe places for our young students. Um, I also think that we need things like a national ban on conversion therapy um, and making sure that, um, that we sort of root that out from uh, places in our country where uh, this type of discrimination has sort of a safe haven. Uh, part of that is also uh, the way that religious liberty is used as a shield for bigotry uh, across this country. And, um, you know, these are the things that um, fundamentally uh, alter the way our young people uh, treat one another. Uh, it's what that they see on social media, and it's how they're speaking to one another. Um, and that's the place that we need to, those are the things that we need to root out in our society and in our culture, and making sure that, um, you know, that, that our, our uh, young people are not suffering from, um, you know, those, those types of discriminatory practices and bigotry coming up affecting their self-esteem, affecting their mental health, affecting what they feel like they can achieve in life. Um, and, you know, I think uh, we probably all here would agree that um, we want to root out those types of inequities and in making sure that uh, every New Mexican and every American have the same opportunities. Kyle, thank you. John. Um, thanks, Bill. This, this is a very important issue for me because I feel as though having been um, an LGBTQ youth, I didn't realize I was queer at the time, but having been targeted for that, um, the LGBTQ youth are such um, are at such risk. We know that um, young gay kids are more likely to be victims of sexual abuse, of physical abuse, of drug abuse, of mental abuse. Um, they're at a higher risk of suicide. Uh, right now I serve on the board of an organization in Albuquerque called Casa Q that provides housing for LGBTQ youth uh, or kids who are in threat of being homeless. Um, the Envision Fund has been a really extraordinary supporter of that organization, so thank you for that. But you know, some of these youth that come live at Casa Q, they have been in shelters in Albuquerque, uh, some run by religions, and they're told it's their fault they're being abused because they chose to be gay. Um, and that when they've come to Casa Q, that's the first time they've been able to actually really get meaningful, appropriate sexual ed education for each individual, regardless of their sexual uh, identity or gender identity or sexual orientation. Um, so that's one thing we have to continue to, to work on is ensuring there's a safety net for LGBTQ youth. We absolutely have to pass the Safe Schools Act. We have to pass a ban on conversion therapy. The problem um, of the limitations around the Safe School Act is that it used to be when I was a kid, bullying ended at the schoolyard, uh, at the end of the schoolyard. Now it continues on onto social media and, and young LGBTQ youth can't get away from it ever. Um, and so that is something extraordinary that we have to both work at both at the legislative level and at the local level as well. Uh, for me beyond that, one of the things that I really would like to focus on is bringing an end to gun violence. You know, one of the things that we don't talk about as much is the extent to which um, people commit suicide with guns. And so we have to do all we can to make these weapons not accessible, that if parents have them in their home, they have safety locks, they're protected from that. Um, but we, you know, we really have to build out that um, that, that safety net for those kids. Um, even as a member of Congress, what I'd like to do as well would be to ensure that we have LGBTQ youth every year interning in the office, being exposed to positive other LGBTQ people. You know, I think back to when I was growing up in Santa Fe, that was before we had uh, Javier Gonzalez or anybody else. We need LGBTQ leaders to set the example. Thank you. Teresa. 
So I love the fact that you raised the, how, what New Mexico has done, because I think in many ways, um, this is one of those areas where New Mexico is getting it right. And it's wonderful when we can say, New Mexico, we're the model for the country, right? And we can do that. So New Mexico has modeled the way on these issues. I love the way in which the legislature, they amended all the healthcare practices laws. So they would prohibit any therapist or healthcare provider that if they try to do conversion therapy and let's call it let's not call it therapy let's call it manipulation and harassment if they do that they lose their license they also amended the unfair practices act like you said so that it is illegal to engage in that and these are the kinds of things we need to then take so that if we take it to dc so this happens across all, as, as John correctly said, we need to make this uniform across the nation. Um, you know, the Safe Schools for All Students Act that was passed here, once again, that needs to be applied across the nation. We don't use right now the resources that are available on the federal level. At the federal level, the Department of Education has a civil rights division. I've known the people who've worked there under Obama and Clinton. And we need to get people back in there so they can go in and start prosecuting and holding schools accountable who do not choose to prevent this. So we need to use the federal resources that are available to us and then bring up as a model what we've done here in New Mexico. I really want to take this time to give a shout out to Linda Siegel. You know, she first introduced, I think the bill was first introduced in 89, uh, 91 uh, was when she started working on it. Her and Senator Liz Stefanik have been tireless in getting some of these laws passed. Um, I want to give a shout out to them. I'm very proud that they've endorsed me and they've spoken on my behalf, but I'm going to take their voices with me to DC to enact some of this legislation to protect our students. Thank you, Teresa. And yes, Linda and Liz are amazing local LGBT uh, champions. So a shout out to them. I hope they're on tonight. Uh, Laura. I was really excited because I believe they were the first couple to get married in Santa Fe and they made the front page of the paper when that happened. Um, it was a really exciting time because I was county treasurer and a lot of the clerks were giving a hard time about wanting to get marriage equity. And so uh, Linda and they just powerhoused. So I think that when you're talking about this, I think it should be illegal for people to do that. It's not therapy. Um, my sister's a psychotherapist and what the therapy that she does has nothing to do with anything that this is related to. And I think it's very hurtful. Um, I'm very proud of New Mexico's legislature on the Safe Schools Act and uh, Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham for what they've done in enacting and trying to go in the direction towards helping our uh, youth and our schools to be more accountable for people who are bullying. I think it's important for us to make sure that we put more funding towards education and promoting and teaching people how to learn to love and respect one another for who they are um, instead of trying to usually I think hate comes from fear most of the time and when we start to learn about our sexuality 
people need to be more supportive and give more resources. And I think that it also is really important for us to have that representation in all different aspects so that people can feel safe and feel comfortable and feel like, for example, you know, I'm proud of John because John has told people that he is running and he is LGBTQ. And that's important because people need to know that they have somebody that represents or reflects something in themselves that makes them feel special and feel proud. You know, when I worked at the New Mexico legislature, seeing Senator Nava and seeing um, Senator Rodriguez as Latina women at the legislature and there wasn't hardly any women at all, let alone brown one, it made me proud, it made me excited. And so I think that as we develop our nation, our state and how we communicate and work with one another, that we learn to love and respect each other and not allow for cyberspace bullying or bullying at all. Um, the suicide rates are so high and it's so sad because of the fact that people are being treated so badly and that's what's making them decide to take their lives. And that is something that we all need to be responsible for in our daily lives and how we treat one another and how we do things um, in any Thank type you. of bullying. Thank you so much. Valerie. Thank you, Bill. I'm really proud that New Mexico has outlawed this hateful conversion therapy. It, as someone noted, it, you know, it's not therapy at all. And we need to fight for this at the federal level. It felt like when President Trump was elected, we kicked over a log and all these bugs came out. And there was that emphasis on the other and divisiveness and ugly rhetoric. And the LGBT community has felt it deeply. I, I know that uh, an important point for all of us is behavioral health and mental health, and particularly important to this community because our suicide rates are off the charts and depression. I know that when I had my twins, um, I suffered pretty profoundly from postpartum depression. I didn't know what the heck was going on, and it was hard to find care, much less acknowledge it. And we are in a society where finds any sort of mental uh, questions, disabilities, uh, problems to be a stigma. And under Governor Martinez, who unilaterally shut down behavioral health across his state, claiming alleged Medicare fraud, how deeply it hurt us, the most vulnerable in our society. So I would love to be that voice and that champion for this community and all New Mexicans in Congress. And what that takes most of all is someone with a very loud voice, with a record of standing up and speaking truth to power and say, we are together as one. It doesn't matter who you love. It doesn't matter what your sexuality is, how you identify. It's how are you as a citizen and how do you live your life? So um, I, I feel that deeply in, in my heart because of my own uh, struggles around mental health issues and depression. Thank you, Valerie. And lastly, on this question, Joseph. So I'm glad uh, all these different pieces of legislation were brought up that uh, were signed into law by uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham because I uh, supported each and every one of them as a legislator, I voted yes. Um, when it comes to uh, this, uh, like many issues, this comes down to education, like other people have mentioned. I think when uh, people are educated, they become uh, more tolerant and uh, you need to get rid of that homophobia that people have. Uh, it comes down to 
everyone uh, should be treated equally. Uh, we need to get rid of this discrimination. Uh, the conversion, conversion therapy, uh, we need to have discussions that at a, about that at a national level. Uh, the more conversations we have, the, the closer we'll get to ending that and uh, we'll help end uh, the exclusion and intolerance. So thank you, Bill. Thank you, Joseph. So um, we also let folks know that we were going to um, request questions when people were registering for this forum. So our next question uh, has come in since we sent you the prepared ones. But I promise it's not a, it's not a toughie. Um, according to the FBI's own data, hate crimes targeting people as opposed to personal property hit an all-time high in 2018, the latest year for which national data is available. The number of crimes against transgender and non-conforming people were up in an astonishing 41%. Here in New Mexico, based on this same data, overall hate crimes quadrupled between 2017 and 2018. What would you do as a member of Congress about this situation? And why don't we go ahead and start with Laura. First of all, I didn't realize that it was that high and that's reprehensible. I think that we need to be firmer and hold people more accountable and have stricter rules and regulations and consequences for that type of activity. Now, I'm not saying necessarily incarceration. What I'm saying is teaching people, giving them opportunity to learn from their ignorance or their naivety by being able to be at organizations like Identity Inc., making sure that all of our communities have something like Identity Inc. In, in throughout District 3. And I would absolutely want to put funding towards that. Um, I, I just don't believe, it's all based on common ground. We should treat each other kindly and respectfully. And whatever we have to do to get policies that do that and allow for that fairness and equitability need to take place. And when people don't align with that, then we need to hold them accountable for it. Thank you, Laura. Uh, Valerie. Thanks, Bill. Um, look, all of us are Democratic candidates here, and I believe our values are all in alignment, that we completely denounce uh, the, the, the demonization that we have seen of the LGBTQ plus community, and for that matter, expanding that, the other. We see that in our immigration community, undocumented workers, and anyone who is different from maybe the little tunnel vision that you see every day. So the question before the voters in this district will be, who is going to be your most effective fighter in Congress to take forward these values and make sure that all these voices are being heard and that you're able to do that in a way that is pragmatic and is thoughtful and is powerful and given my background in the CIA, where I worked from people all over the world speaking different languages and different cultures, and, and I, I, I welcomed all that. I felt completely comfortable with that. Because together, when we sat around the table, I was one in charge saying, okay, here's our mission and here's how we're going to do it. That's what I wanna to take to Congress if given this honor and to say, how do we push through uh, this uh, and, and push aside the hateful remarks, the divisiveness. We truly are better together. And that includes 
wholeheartedly the LGBTQ plus communities, and I will work with all I can to make sure that that becomes a reality. Valerie, thank you. Joseph. So uh, I'm not gonna pretend I've gone through what some people have gone, because uh, uh, a lot of people have gone through a lot of extreme uh, things. Uh, I've been discriminated against because of I'm a Hispanic. Uh, just listening to me, I have that thick accent. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I was a skinny little nerd. I got bullied. Um, these things that uh, we, sh we can't tolerate, uh, uh, we got to put an end to this. And it, it comes down to education. We need to educate people from a young age that uh, these things are the way people are acting. That's, that's not right. Um, uh, we got to make sure we, we make it clear to people that we're not going to tolerate this, this type of uh, action. So I think those are the big things we got to watch for. And, um, it's tough. It's, uh, I can't imagine what some people go through. Uh, I've had a small taste and uh, some people have gone through a lot more. So uh, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Joseph. Marco. Uh, thank you and great question, whoever asked it. I think uh, what I touched on in, in one of the prior answers is we really need to focus on a, on a discussion um, nationally with, with education that brings about a cultural uh, shift. Because much like I've, I've attempted to do with the opioid epidemic here up north uh, in, in addressing people like people and saying, you know what, these aren't criminals, they're addicts. They stuff, suffer from a health issue. And we've actually seen the culture uh, in, in here in Northern New Mexico recognize that these individuals are being led by, by addiction. The criminal activity is there, but they aren't criminals at heart. Uh, so it's the same type of mentality with the ind with individuals who who are discriminatory or speak poorly about the LGBTQ plus community to to really educate the public as a whole. Uh, in addition to that, holding people accountable, we need to hold the legislators and leaders uh, like uh, Susana Martinez accountable for the poor ideals and legislation they bring forth, uh, because. I can guarantee you majority of their constituency does not support that type of, that type of ideal rhetoric. Um, so if we hold these individuals accountable uh, at the national level, at the state level, and really address it head on, I think we can see that cultural shift uh, so that, again, it's not people telling their horror stories about going through high school and, and having to, to come out of the closet. It's just, we all are. We all are together. We're all a community. Marco, thank you. Thank you, Bill. Um, Kyle. Yeah, thank you, Bill, and thank you for uh, whoever asked this question. You know, I think, you know, when, when President Obama was elected in 2008, um, you know, I think that there was uh, some hope that we all had that that election sort of represented this sort of fundamental shift in our broader collective society, uh, that we were moving away from um, some of the dark history of discrimination in our country. Um, I think when President Trump um, was elected, the opposite became true. And what it did is it gave oxygen, I think, um, and um, to a lot of the discrimination that was already there, uh, but it also gave safe harbor to um, the types of, of vile, aggressive white nationalism, um, hate 
uh, and, and violence against LGBTQ communities. Um, and I think what we see and what we know when we look at sort of any crisis that we're facing in this country is that, you know, the most marginalized and vulnerable amongst us are the ones who experience that uh, more than, than, um, than others in our society. Uh, and this is a perfect example, just looking at those statistics that were read off in this question. Uh, it is a perfect example of um, the sort of space that has been created around this sort of toxic administration uh, and the way that, that it has uh, lit a fire to some of the hate that exists in this country. Um, you know, to combat that, I think, is going to require a cultural revolution that's not going to happen overnight. Uh, this is something that has to happen from the ground up in our schools and in our communities. And we need to make sure that we have um, those leaders in place that are going to uh, support that type of transformation. And I think that is certainly the type of leader that, that I hope to be. Thank you very much, Kyle. John, over to you. Well, first and foremost, we all have to come together in November and get rid of this dumpster fire of the Trump presidency. Um, he has allowed people to, to really invest in the worst in themselves and to bring that out, and we have to overcome that. Um, from a legislative standpoint, we have to pass the Equality Act. Uh, right now, I can be discriminated against in employment matters, healthcare, education, um, a variety of other things. We have to give, stop giving people an excuse to discriminate against LGBTQ plus people or the other people in the other category. Um, beyond that, I think we have to do more to invest in ensuring that law enforcement at every level has the tools and the resources to fully prosecute hate crimes when they happen. Beyond that, we have to create a culture that is encouraged that prosecutors choose that at the onset. And it's not, you know, what we see often now is that uh, law enforcement goes easy on these sorts of charges until a video pops up and people are able to see the, the extreme brutality against uh, LGBTQ people, particularly transgender women of color, which are so much more likely to be murdered. We have to protect them. Um, I'm very proud that I worked in the House of Representatives for Martin Heinrich when the House passed the hate crimes law that President Obama signed. Um, I've had the good fortune to meet with Matthew Shepard's family and to, and to meet with people who have been victims of these sorts of crimes, and we have to stop it. Beyond that, part of this is about why it's important to elect LGBTQ people to office to ensure that we are creating the safe spaces and from a legal standpoint that gives people the space to create the safe spaces at schools and businesses and in other places. And we just have to continue to fight this. And we can't just rely on our better angels and hope that another will and grace is gonna come along and change the way people view LGBTQ people. We have to lead in all of us as a community and stand up and ensure that LGBTQ people are safe no matter where they are. John, thank you. I gotta give a shout out though for the for the revival of Will and Grace. It's actually one of my favorites. So <laughs> today, so okay. Um, so you know, I agree with the comments that have been made, um, and it strikes me that there is a moment in the crisis we are in now, the COVID crisis, where we have lost the opportunity to just see ourselves as one. 
rather than to see ourselves as competing against each other for scarce resources and therefore needing to hate, or as I said in my earlier statements that I always say in all my speeches, we must demonize those, we must defeat those who would demonize the other. So we need to get to a point where we see each other as interconnected and interrelated, and we are all part of multiplicity of communities. And I've been lucky in that I've worked with uh, Native American tribes and with war chiefs who taught me that we, when we pray, we must pray for everybody, not just the circle of our own community, but all the communities around us, indeed, even the animals and the plants. And once we get people to understand how we're connected and that we are all one community, not a lot of little separate ones, that is that cultural shift that we've been talking about. But until we get there, you know, the problem is that Hate Crimes Prevention Act that, you know, thank you to Heinrich that got passed, they're undermining it now. Now they are saying, no, if you can't prove that was the only reason that they committed this, we're not gonna prosecute. We need to actually, there is a Justice for Hate Crimes Act to just fix that, to go in and do the laws that actually say, we are going to work on bringing us together. And for those who commit these crimes, these heinous crimes, that they are going to be prosecuted and that uh, we can't let people get off by some wriggling out of it that yes, we condemn it and we will prosecute it. And so I think that there are things we can do at the federal level in terms of the law and getting a new attorney general in there who's gonna tell his prosecutors go after it and go after it big, which let's all say, let's get rid of that guy in November. I'm with John on that one. I think everybody in this call is. That I said, thank you very much. Uh, we have one more question before we go to closing, and this is another um, question that came in through the uh, registration period, and it deals with another national matter uh, that uh, uh, the eventual candidate is, is, is going to have to weigh in on uh, when they reach the House of Representatives. Um, and it provides another example for us to talk about how New Mexico is a leader, I should say that. So um, the Envision Fund was a leader in advocating for and funding organizations in advancing marriage equality in our state. The Trump administration has been working aggressively to appoint judges that conform to a more socially conservative philosophy, including successfully filling two Supreme Court vacancies with Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. And Justice Thomas just last year indicated a desire to revisit the, o I always mispronounce this, Obergefell versus Hodges decision that legalize same-sex marriage, same marriage across the country. Do you personally support same-sex marriage and all the benefits for LGBTQ families that come with it? And what would you do as a member of Congress to combat the national level efforts to erode the advance in rights and protections for LGBTQ people, including marriage equality? Why don't we go ahead and start with Valerie? Thank you. I am 100% uh, supporter of marriage equality. Of course, I don't see any, any other way to think of this. Honestly, how is it a threat to anyone who you love or how you choose to live your life as long as you're not harming others? Um, yes, we have seen an incredible packing of the federal ju uh, judiciary uh, and of course the Supreme Court with conservative justices. Uh, many times when you hear, you ask people, well, uh, about Trump, how can you support him and his hateful 
rhetoric and policies, this is what they'll hinge on. They'll say, well, I really don't like it and I, I hate his tweets, but you know what? The Supreme Court is really important and that's indeed where it's at. We all want to wrap Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg in bubble wrap and, and hope, uh, you know, wish her the best of health until she's uh, 152. But the truth is we have an election in November and that will decide a lot of what happens with our Supreme Court and these lifelong uh, federal judiciary, who sits on that bench. And that's why it's more critical than ever that every single person listening to this tonight, watching this, uh, first of all, you vote. Our democracy, our democratic institutions are under severe threat. They're being eroded. You, your voice must be heard and you must be educated. And so I don't see th this forum tonight, of course, is, is focused on, on the issues around this particular community. But I see it as all connected in that we are all fighting for the same values, that we have equal justice under the law that we are all treated equally. And uh, whoever has the final honor of representing this district in Congress uh, will have to carry that banner forward loudly and clearly. And I, I hope that with my background and experience, I can be the one to be given that honor. Valerie, thank you. Spot on two minutes. I don't know how that happened. Spot on. Um, I have my little timer. <laughs> For, for the candidates, just so you know, I know that question was a bit long. Um, the questions that I'm asking are appearing in your chat. So if you need to go back and just look at the chat function, um, you'll see that question uh, entered in there. Sorry, I didn't indicate that earlier. Uh, Joseph. I think the, the keyword is equality. Uh, people should be able to choose who they want to be with. Uh, we shouldn't discriminate against anyone. Uh, for any reason, uh, people should be able to live the lives they want to live, uh, that they choose to live. Um, I don't believe in any type of discrimination. Uh, people should be treated with respect and dignity. Um, and that's the, what I'm gonna carry forth when I'm elected to Congress. I'm gonna, like I said, I've, I've supported various pieces of legislation that are in that direction and I'll continue to do that at the national level. And I also uh, applaud John Blair. I think uh, he's been bringing a lot, up a lot of great issues. We've had tons of forums, uh, and uh, I learned a lot from him. Uh, like I said, I, I just think uh, equality is the key word, and we need to make sure everyone's treated equally in this country. And uh, real quick, uh, something in, in all the forums, I'm real brief and straight to the point, so, and everyone knows that. <laughs> so, uh, my answers are real direct. Thank you, Bill. No worries, Joseph. Thank you very much. Um, Laura. So actually, I'm a little frustrated right now and I wanna explain why. So marriage equality is important. I think anyone who finds love can help me find love too. So everyone should have fair access all the time and um, have the same right to all of the drama that comes with marriage that uh, is there too. <laughs> On a serious note, everyone that had um, issues before with not being able to show their love through marriage, the worst part was when somebody was sick or ill or someone passed away and they had been together for 20 years, 30 years, and they didn't get to have the same equal rights. And I just think that's completely wrong. But let me tell you where I'm frustrated. I keep hearing about all this equality, but I always look at something as actions speak louder than words. 
there was a KOAT candidate forum that took place and originally it only had four people on it because only four people made the highest number of campaign contributions. And not one of the four said, hey, stop. We should have all the same right to be able to get on there because we all got the absent, the um, 20% or I got the 20% at the convention. Money shouldn't dictate our elections at all. The other thing is I'm so sick of hearing about how much people care about Pueblo communities when I go to every Pueblo governor and they haven't heard from you. So stop using them as tools. The other part is that I don't necessarily only not support dark money. I don't support money coming from out of the state at over 25 or 50% to try to sell out New Mexico. That's just as bad as the dark money because that's people that have a special interest and you can't serve two masters. You have to be able to serve New Mexicans and our values. So we all don't have the same values um, when it comes down to that. So I just wanted to point that out. Thank you, Laura. Kyle. Yeah, thank you, Bill. And, and thank you again for the question, whoever uh, sent that in. Um, you know, marriage equality, first and foremost, yes, absolutely, 100%, I support marriage equality. And I sort of think back to, I, I think it was 2004 when Massachusetts became the first state to pass a marriage equality law. And I was going to law school at the time out on the East Coast. Uh, and so much of the conversation uh, around that was the fact that, you know, how are we trying to legislate away people's love for one another and all of um, the barriers that come by not being able to marry uh, openly whoever you love? Um, and I think that is really fundamental to this question. But, but let's also be clear that I think the Republican Party and the conservative agenda in this country is absolutely focused on not only rolling back those rights that have been secured through um, you know, the Supreme Court with, with marriage equality or um, uh, for abortion rights, uh, but the Republican Party and Mitch McConnell have been very strategic in trying to fill the federal bench. Um, and as a federal litigator, I can attest to the fact that there are some judges that I will draw in a case and I know I'm not going to get a fair shake. Um, and, and the hope then becomes, um, well, I hope I get a good panel when I go to appeal that decision up to a circuit court. The problem is that, you know, our circuit courts and our Supreme Court are being filled by uh, conservative, ideologically minded judges. And the fact that Chief Justice Roberts is now the sort of uh, swing vote on our Supreme Court should, should scare all of us. Um, and so, you know, this November is not only about getting Trump out of office, uh, you know, the Republican Party have been about loading our bench, uh, our federal bench with judges who are going to be in place for the next 30 years. Um, and, and that is critically something that is on the table uh, in November. Thank you so much, Kyle. Teresa. So, yes, indeed. Uh, we, uh, you know, I come from a civil rights background like Kyle, you know, I've litigated civil rights in our federal courts. 
And there was a time when we looked to our federal courts to be able to address the wrongs that we knew we could not get in those kinds of states that just had, that were just reactionary and uh, discriminated at, at will. Um, and now we actually almost have to flip that that we need to take the examples of New Mexico and take those uh, to Congress and say, we need to actually pass the laws that actually say it is fine and perfectly okay and legal and we are gonna make sure that you can marry whomever you love. So that whatever the United States Supreme Court does is not impacted. We need to also do that here in New Mexico. You know, in New Mexico, there was such a battle for the civil union. Uh, and I remember that. I remember Linda working on that. I remember seeing her, you know, we'd go around those, uh, round and round the roundhouse. Uh, and then we got our wonderful Supreme Court based on New Mexico constitution here. But we need to actually not drop that. We need to take and say, and put that into law at the federal level and back at the state level so that we don't worry about courts flipping. And we need to remember that the attitudes have shifted, that now there is such public support for gay marriage and for full, you know, gays being able to, uh, to, to adopt and all of those other matters. We have shifted on that issue in a way, and we need to take advantage of that shift now and codify that into law so that we don't have to worry about what happens at the Supreme Court. And yes, we need to work to get the Senate flipped blue too so we can get rid of Mitch McConnell so we don't have any more of those judges getting named. Teresa, thank you. John. Uh, fully support marriage equality. Uh, you do? I do. Uh, <laughs> most days. No, I'm kidding. Um, every day. Uh, my husband, Billy, and I have been married six years. It'll be six years in June that we've been married. And we didn't get married in New Mexico uh, when we, uh, because of the time we got engaged, it wasn't legal here. It actually wasn't legal across most of the country. And so this is not um, a lighthearted question for me. The legality of my marriage swings in the balance of one justice dying. And that's terrifying. Terrifying. Um, we have to ensure that that is protected. Um, and that one of the things that's come from that is we know that love is love. Um, what I will say that we have to do is we have to get rid of the corrosive effects of big money and dark money in politics. That is what has created the situation that we are in right now. Um, our system is rigged right now. Um, it's tilted towards uh, the ultra-conservative. There are um, a number of Americans who are not getting equal representation in the U.S. Senate, if any representation at all. Um, and the majority of Americans are moving in one direction and they're being held back by a small cadre of ultra-conservative judges in the, or ultra-conservative senators in, uh, in our country. We have to move past that. Um, the issue that we're dealing with, and I will address what's been brought up earlier tonight, is the role of dark money. As of today, there are some dollars to $500,000 in dark money being spent in this race to support Tedesa Ledger Fernandez's campaign. Um, those ads have been running digitally and on TV for over 10 days now. And last Thursday, I asked Tedessa to denounce this money and demand that these ads come down. She's now denounced one of the ads, but not the other two. And I think that Americans and New Mexicans are tired of the outsized role that dark money is playing. And that until Tedessa is willing to denounce all ads, New Mexicans will be left to wonder why is she supporting some dark money, but not all dark money. Whoever gets elected to this seat needs to demand total, 
total agreement from all that we will not allow dark money in any campaign, and I'm committed to join that. I second the motion. John, thank you. Uh, Marco, before I turn to you. Well, I, I, think I, I think I was named again, and if you would give I, me the right. I, I'm so, before we go to Marco, go ahead. Uh, you might name me again, and then I'll have another 30 seconds. What's really sad is that I am the front one in this campaign, right? And because I'm the front one, and because I have a history of just doing good out there in the world, I got endorsed by some entities that want to see more Latinas, more women, you know, uh, that now they're saying, I am somehow responsible for all the negative in the world. I have issued statements. The press hasn't always printed them that says that I denounce dark money. It's not in our politics. And that indeed my work, my work has been recognized, has always been about addressing campaign finance reform. That's why End Citizens United endorsed me because that's the kind of work I do. I do denounce Valerie's, that ad about Valerie. I have denounced it. The, you know, the newspapers don't ask for it, but I, I denounced it when I saw it. It's ugly and it shouldn't be there. Thank you, Teresa. Marco, um, following up on, on our last question about marriage equality and, and justices. Well, absolutely, Bill. I uh, support marriage equality. Love is love. Uh, and I am looking forward to uh, my first time being a best man at um, an LGBTQ plus wedding when my brother, hopefully one of these days, uh, uh, gets married. Um, and, and I can tell you just a, a really heartfelt story for me. Uh, because, you know, I, I, I echo what everybody says uh, with, with regard to, to, to marriage equality. And we're all going to make um, efforts, uh, whether elected or not, to promote um, um, LGBTQ plus uh, uh, issues uh, and to ensure that everybody is treated equal. But I, I had the opportunity to go to my cousin Chris, uh, or excuse me, my cousin Carlos and his, his now husband Chris's wedding in California. And Carlo was the efficient uh, during it. And it was like, I mean, tears came to my eyes just watching him discuss it because he discussed some of his own, his own stories. But at my first wedding, it was, it was really groundbreaking uh, for me just as a proud brother uh, of Carlo to, to be in that, that setting. And, uh, you know, so if anybody wants to invite me to any weddings, I'm more than happy to, to go and I, and I give good presents, not bad. Uh, but uh, with regard to the issue brought up with dark money, um, you know, Teresa, I, I, I applaud you for, for denouncing uh, uh, the, the horrific ad uh, issued towards Valerie Plain. And I'm going to make it easy, to, easy for you uh, because you've said you've, you've, you've made statements. So can you just say, you know, right now that you denounced the two organizations that, that John initially brought up, the two PACs that John initially brought up? Uh, and can you ask them to take their money out of politics before they spend it all. Um, so very, very simple uh, question towards you, and I would love to applaud you uh, after you hopefully say yes. Marco, thank you. Uh, thank you. Today, we're gonna give you another 30 seconds. Another 30 seconds. Okay, let me say one more time uh, that a candidate cannot communicate direct or control a third party and so if Emily's List or Women's Vote wants to spend some money they can do it I cannot direct them to do it and these guys know that and the fact that they attack me for that is really sad 
because I don't control it. Dark money, I can say, yes, I don't like dark money. That's the way the law is now. And when I get to Congress, they're all working on changes. They're asking me to do something that I actually don't have the power to do. I don't control anything anybody else does. So I'd like us, instead of attacking me, let's talk about Thank you, Teresa. You know, you. you can still denounce them by name. Did I break up? What I'm asking you to do is to denounce them specifically by name. Uh -uh. No, is that enough? Teresa, your, uh, your video is a little funky right now. So, you know, there are things that you do have control over. Your brother sent me an email, do the right thing, drop out and support the front runner. I don't know where you think you're the front runner right. in this race, but it's unacceptable. You could take care of that one. I'm going to give Teresa just another um, five seconds because your video did cut out at the end. Um, five okay. seconds. So the five seconds are, I don't control my brother. We all have family and they act from a place of love sometimes and maybe not from the campaign and once again let's focus what i was saying is let's focus on the issues and not on uh these issues it's a very low blow Thank especially because i don't take corporate pack money and others in the campaign in these candidates do i'm not taking corporate people can see my campaign where thank I'm you very much. I've, I've given you more time so thank you um so by way of uh, closing, the last prepared question, we've just turned into the closing. And I, I think Valerie hit on this, just talking about, yeah, we are here tonight, you know, recognizing that we've got 100 people or so uh, watching this evening uh, on Zoom, it's on Facebook Live. And most of us have turned in, uh, tuned in, sorry, um, to learn about your views on LGBTQ issues. But for most of us, including me as an LGBTQ person, that's just one lens that I use um, in making decisions about how I'm gonna cast my vote. So by way of the closing question, and I think we've got a little bit of additional time. Um, instead of 30 seconds, let's go with a minute. Um, and what I'd like you to share is just why, share with the, share with the, the folks who've tuned in tonight, why are you the most viable candidate uh, to serve the people of the third district? Um, and why don't we go ahead and start with Laura? Well, thank you very much. I, I want to be clear that I promote policies that are fair and equitable. And I believe in the idea that you should really pay attention to people's actions. You know, if somebody says that they're really concerned about uh, the climate, and you see them throw a plastic bottle away in the trash, you'd be concerned, right? If you see someone bullying someone because they love someone who is LGBTQ and they don't stand up for it, then you know that their actions in Congress aren't gonna do the same thing. Bullying is bullying. Treating people badly is treating people badly. No matter what way you look at it, hate is hate. I wanna show you that all of the policies that I've helped enact, whether it's helping senior citizens, our veterans, um, I, I helped with some of the um, LGBTQ bills that came through that got passed by uh, MLG and the legislature last year. Um, I know Representative Sanchez, you did support that. It was a unanimous bill. I believe in those policies because everyone needs to be treated based on their character and what they bring to the table, no matter who they love or no matter what color they are or age that they are. So I'm asking, my name is Laura Montoya. We are all human beings and I believe in loving one another and respecting one another and I will bring those policies forward and I will fight for you and I will stand up for what is wrong and tell them not. Thank you. Sorry. Very much. No, you're fine. Joseph. 
Joseph, you're on mute. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah. I had my dog running around. So, so I was born and raised here in uh, New Mexico. I still live here in Alcalde, which is between Taos and Santa Fe. Uh, I firsthand seen all the, a lot of the issues that have uh, affected our, our district. Uh, as a minority Hispanic, uh, I, I faced uh, racism. Uh, like I said, I've, I've only had a taste of what I can imagine some other people have gone through. And uh, I'm empathetic. We need to put an end to discrimination. Uh, we need to get rid of bullying. We need to educate people. Uh, in terms of the viability of my, my candidacy, uh, I'm the only state representative. I represent four counties out of the 16 counties. Uh, I've been endorsed by the Albuquerque Journal. I have over 200 volunteers throughout the district that are working, doing different things for me. I have various uh, legislators that are supporting me throughout the district. Um, uh, my heart is, is to help the, the state, to help the district, to help our country. Uh, I'm running because uh, I care. Uh, I always say I'm not the most articulate person. I'm not an attorney. Uh, I'm an engineer. I uh, figure out how to solve problems and I figure out solutions. Uh, and that's what I'll take with me to Congress when I'm elected. So uh, thank you for the time and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Are you watching? This is the very end. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Welcome to Zoom World. <laughs> Kyle, go ahead. That was Carlo, by the way. <laughs> was it? Yeah, Marco's brother's doing video bombs. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm going to have a talk with him after this. <laughs> Part of it, everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, Bill. And again, thank you to the Envision Fund for hosting the forum tonight. Um, you know, I've spent my career as a public interest environmental attorney fighting for people and communities living in the shadow of fossil fuel exploitation. Um, you know, I've spent my career suing the federal government over the science and the timeline of the climate crisis and holding oil and gas companies accountable uh, in federal court and winning. And the reason I'm running for office is is not because I've always aspired to be a politician, but because I believe that this election is perhaps our last best chance to preserve a livable planet. And this election has to represent a fundamental transformation in our politics and in our society to make sure that we are transforming not only our energy systems, uh, but our economy and our financial institutions and making sure that justice and equity is a part of everything that we do. So many in our communities are marginalized and vulnerable and left out of our economy. Um, and, and that is the type of change that we need to see. We cannot make this transition and preserve a livable planet uh, without making sure that everyone is included. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. And Valerie. Thank you to Bill, the community foundation, the Santa Fe Community Foundation and Envision Fund for hosting this. Let me be really candid. These ads are awful. I speak to you as, as a mother, as a woman, as a citizen, but here's my more North Star. I got into this to serve. I would love the honor to serve my community and my country again. As I traveled all over this district, when we could still do that before Zoom, it was all about education, economy, and the environment no matter what community it was. I seek to represent everyone in New Mexico. And I tell you, I was betrayed by my government. I know what that's like to be knocked down 
and to get back up again. And I want to take my crisis management experience, my leadership, and essentially making lemonade out of lemons and put it to positive youth use for New Mexicans. And I would love to be given that opportunity. Valerie, thank you very much. Teresa. So I won 42% of the vote at the pre-primary convention. Uh, that shows viability and it also earned me first place on the ballot. And the way I did that was I motivated, mobilized and energized people who came up and they showed up because they wanted to show up for a campaign that was based on the idea that if we take bold and courageous action from a place of love, that we can protect what we love. We can protect our planet. We can protect the most disadvantaged. And that's what I've been doing all of these years. I've been working to protect the most disadvantaged. I've been working to protect the planet. And the endorsements that I talked about, those reflect that. Deb Holland endorsed me because she recognizes that I can be her great ally and work with her to protect Native communities, to protect the planet. I've received more money from New Mexicans than anybody else in this race. They want to see me succeed. New Mexicans want to see me succeed. This energy, this enthusiasm, this love that I have is what I'm going to take to D.C to represent all of us. I'm at TeresaForAll.com. That's my website. Go check me out. Thank you, Teresa. John. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to make sure everyone knows I'm so proud to have been endorsed by the LGBTQ Victory Fund and the Congressional Equality Pack, which is the political part of the Congressional Equality Caucus, which has 164 members in it. Um, what's significant is of those, only seven are gay or LGBTQ. There are only seven LGBTQ elected leaders in Congress. If I were to be elected, I would be the only LGBTQ leader in the U.S. House from the entire Rocky Mountain region, from between California to Kansas. And we need more representation in Congress. What also sets me apart is my experience working in Washington. I'm the only candidate to have worked for President Obama. was so very proud to have been a part of the team that made the Stonewall Inn, the first LGBTQ national monument, was able to be a part of the team that designated multiple other LGBTQ historic places across the country, like the Furies Collective, Rare Bustin's, uh, Bustin's Home, um, but also that I've also spent eight years working on Capitol Hill, both in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House. I'm the only candidate in this field who's worked full-time on Capitol Hill. And that experience really matters right now with all that our country's facing, both from a sense of around this pandemic, our climate crisis, the constitutional crisis, epidemic of gun violence, you name it. Our country is facing so much right now to dig out. And my experience allows me genuinely to hit the ground running to the benefit of this district. And I will keep fighting for this district. Thank you so much. John, thank you. Um, Marcos, last but not least, you can yell at your brother first. <laughs> thank you. And Carlo, when I get home, buddy. Uh, no, well, uh, thank you uh, for, for everybody participating uh, in this forum. Uh, again, we as candidates really rely on these, especially now during COVID, to, to reach out to you. I'm currently your district attorney, and I've dedicated my life to service uh, and public service at that because I was brought up here in Northern New Mexico, born and raised with the ideals that lifting up your community is the best cause you can possibly have as an individual. I've been a leader on the front lines of the opioid epidemic in my current capacity as district attorney uh, and also on the front lines of this COVID pandemic, uh, uh, addressing many of the areas in our, our uh, community with 
taking them uh, safety COVID uh, uh, packs that my volunteers and my supporters have donated generously so that we can actually take those throughout the district and we will continue to do that up until the last day of this race. I am also the only candidate who has held myself accountable for you all, the voter, with detailed position papers on many issues addressing not only New Mexico, but also this country, so that, because I believe you all deserve to know where your candidates uh, stand and why. My name is Marco Cerna. I humbly ask for your support. I hope to earn your vote. MarcoForCongress.com. Thank you again. Thank you, Marco. Um, well, that concludes this, and I can't believe that this went off mostly without a hitch, except um, when... Uh, with Teresa, so apologies, but uh, it's the Zoom world we're in, right? Well, it's let me thank you. Broadband. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, hey, I've put broadband in the ground. <laughs> let me thank each of the candidates this evening for joining us. Um, I also want to thank all of you who've joined by Zoom. Again, we have more than 100 registrants for this um, on the Zoom, but it's also on Facebook Live. I want to let each of you know that it was a great pleasure for me as well to serve as your moderator this evening. Um, my apologies when I was aggressive and cut you off. It's the unfortunate role of the moderator. Um, apologies. Uh, the Envision Fund is grateful to have hosted uh, this forum tonight, and I will invite um, all of you to learn more about the Envision Fund by visiting the Santa Fe Community Foundation's website and or the Envision um, Fund's Facebook page. Uh, as Rose said at the beginning, we're the only entity in the entire state of New Mexico um, that is specifically focused as a funder on supporting LGBTQ organizations and initiatives. So we certainly welcome your financial support for the work that we do. As Rose said, um, we've done almost a million dollars in grant making in New Mexico to LGBTQ uh, uh, initiatives and organizations and we couldn't be more proud of it. So we welcome your financial support for the fund. Finally, it'd be um, really odd for me not to say that um, we're all in this very challenging environment. Um, and I'm so grateful that we have technologies like this. Um, yes, we need better broadband uh, across our state. It's part of the equality agenda for sure, part of the equity agenda, um, but I'm glad that we were able to join one another this evening. So stay safe, remember to vote, remind your friends, your neighbors, and your family to vote. Get your absentee ballot. Um, it is the extension of the franchise that is the current for our day, and we need to grab it. And finally, everyone have a great evening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank bye, you. Everyone. Take care. Hi, babe. Tell Juan Carlos I said hi. <laughs>